0: This
1: is Germ Warfare, the Battle of Ideas. My name is Germ, this is Germ Warfare, the Battle of Ideas. David Parker, Dawn Lester, or should I say Dawn Lester and David Parker, because ladies first, thank you for joining me in the trenches. Thank you for having us, pleasure to be here. <laughs>
2: Yes, thank you for inviting us. It's good to
1: be here. But it's so important, isn't it, about what causes illness? Absolutely.
0: Yes, definitely is, Um, because it's uh, one of those things that's, well, not only imprisoned people in a false health paradigm for, well, at least the last last 150 years, but it's been used now as a weapon with the Mm. whole COVID thing. They're using the Uh, falsification of the or should I say the false paradigm of the germ theory as a weapon to keep people in fear and to basically force them into taking experimental well they're not vaccines they don't come under that official category but uh, to take these jabs we'll call them that which uh, are experimental even admitted by the pharmaceutical companies that are to produce them Pfizer etc and uh, they are extremely dangerous and many people have already died because of them and this is reported uh, in official terms it's not just something that uh, um, the fringe shall we say are talking about this is official you know in the UK we have official records government records that show how many thousand thousands of people have died as direct results of these jabs so yes health is very important at the moment uh, it well it always was but even more so now because it's it is being used as a weapon to uh, harm the population of the world so um that's why we do what we do and uh, not only in our interviews like this but in our tours of the uk and because uh, we've recently just come back from scotland uh, where we're doing some interviews up there live these are live talks that we do and uh, so we we know the urgency of it and the interest that people have to learn more
1: I would love to go to Scotland I haven't been there my wife has
0: it's a lovely place and the the Scottish people were lovely they were very welcoming and uh, we we can't wait to get back there actually we're there are some people who are setting up uh, more talks for us up in that in Scotland, so uh, we look forward to being. It's quite a long way from where we are. It takes us about seven hours to drive there, so it's quite a long way to go. But uh, we are looking forward to going back in the near future. Yeah,
1: how have you found people responding to uh, your type of um, arguments? I mean, they are fairly counter narrative.
2: Yeah, I mean the um some people already know about our work I mean there's really quite a range you know some people already you know have the book um know about our work and and you know what we talk about and and quite happy with that the concepts. some are um you know have started looking into this and and others are you know uh sort of more um unsure about it all so we get you know sort of a mixed crowd it's not always you know preaching to the choir which is good because obviously you know we do want to help other people understand what's going on and so you know understanding that there's no such thing as a pathogenic virus you know that's the core message because it's not just you know covid it's it's all the other nonsense they're trying to scare people with so we you know we get uh, sort of a, a mixed crowd but usually very uh supportive in, interested enthusiastic you know occasionally a few people have some difficult sort of um, have have a difficult time kind of getting the concept across you know because they just maybe because of their background and their careers and their scientists so they have a little bit of a problem trying to uh, come out of that paradigm because of because of their training but um, it doesn't change the message
0: which is most doctors of course but uh, we're very pleased to see that more and more uh, doctors MDs that is medical doctors um, are actually coming out of the profession I hesitate to call it that it's caused a lot of damage um, but there's more and more and some of them have become quite well known I'm thinking like Dr Andy Kaufman and Dr Tom Cowan and uh, the Baileys both Samantha and Mark and obviously Dr Stefan Lanker so there's many more doctors that have become very well known on the internet who are confirming what we are saying um which helps people as well because we don't come from a medical background. You know, I'm a a retired electrical engineer and was uh, was an accountant. But so we don't come from the medical establishment. So sometimes people find that as a problem. But as we explain to people, you know, everyone, anyone can study a subject and learn it in the same way I had to study electrical engineering for five or six years. And doctors study the medical system for five or six years. And we studied the medical system for 10 years uh, before we, while we were writing our book. So, you know, if you apply yourself, if you have uh, the intellect, you know, and you have the determination and you don't take no for an answer and you follow the evidence, which is the most important thing. Uh, but unfortunately mm. science has drifted into a, an area where they're not following the evidence they're just following dogma and uh, close shop on anyone who said well i've got a new idea here would you like to look at this and of course they don't want to and we come across those people you know who call themselves scientists but don't act in a scientific way and call themselves doctors um, but have no argument to refute what we're saying mm. i.e., the germ theory is unproven scientifically and there's no such thing as dawn said as a path a pathogenic item whether it's a bacterium or a virus you know people often forget that the same rules apply to bacterium as well and if you can't prove that it actually causes an illness then you should stop saying it so the germ theory is really quite defunct and we spent 10 years looking at that Um, so but those doctors have no way to refute what we say um, so then they just revert to insults, you know, and call us insane or something like that, which is not scientific at all, is it? Um, and just shows that they have nothing nothing to say, but uh, but everything to lose. And that's the problem. But this is, as you said, right at the beginning, this, this is the crux of it. It's the crux of uh, why the pharmaceutical companies um, don't make people well and in fact cause harm, and uh, doctors in their training, because we studied how they were trained, are trained to be basically salesmen for the pharmaceutical companies. And it may sound like a harsh thing to say, but basically that's it. They don't know anything else because that's how they're trained, and virologists are the same. They're trained in in procedures which are not scientific and are relatively easy to disprove, Um, But, of course, in each case, whether it's a doctor or a virologist, they have vested interest in sticking to what they've been taught. I mean, it's their jobs that are at stake and uh, their reputations. Um, And so you can see why they don't take kindly to anyone, whether it's us or or a Dr. Andy Kaufman or Tom Cowan, Mm. come along and say, well, sorry, guys, but we found that what we've been trained to do is completely wrong. Yeah. And uh, that's a hard, forgive the pun, that's a bitter pill to swallow.
1: <laughs> Speaking of um, what really makes you ill, I hope you'll forgive me, but I'm drinking uh, Jack Daniels, and I know that that probably makes me ill.
0: <laughs> well, it can make you feel good. I mean, uh, we're not uh, uh, Puritans. I mean, I, I like... Uh, a nice single malt myself or a, or a <laughs> bourbon or something so you know I don't I don't sort of drink it every day but uh, you know of course alcohol you cannot you cannot class it as a healthy food <laughs> that's for sure so we make no bones about that but you know as I say we're not puritanical and uh, say oh no you can't do that and you the only thing we do do is uh, we make no secret of Dawn and I are both plant-based so yes. we don't we don't eat animals (laughs) or fish or anything like that uh, because we found that to be a very healthy diet and Mm. because um, the ethics of it, um, because we feel as human beings, we're responsible for looking after life, not only of people, but of all all creatures, Mm. including uh, plant life uh, as regards trees and the, you know, but we have to live on something. And uh, so we've not developed how to live on fresh air and nothing else. So we have to eat, we have to eat something. Well, for what it's worth, whiskey is plant-based. Uh, well, <laughs> yes, and so is so is wine. Of course, it's made from grapes, isn't it? And that's quite a nice drink too. Well, that sounds uh, healthy to me. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's probably more healthy than Jack Daniels, but uh, <laughs> but no, we all joking apart. I mean, if if you. Uh, live a generally healthy lifestyle with what you eat and what you do. You can drink Jack Daniels, you know, in moderation, and it's not going to it's not going to make you ill unless you drink it to excess, of course, uh, which some people do and uh, have to suffer the consequences. Uh, uh, you
1: were you were just saying that it's about a paradigm shift. It doesn't mean that that doctors are all stupid or evil or buying into some system. They just simply. They simply haven't thought about the paradigm shift. Is it? Is that right?
2: Yeah, well, it's a, it's a question of their training. I mean, um, you know, they spend years training and learning about a particular way of uh, treating patients, a particular um, understanding of the reasons that people get ill, and they learn all these names about different diseases, and they're not actually taught about health you know that it's they're only taught about how to treat manage disease and how to identify and diagnose them so they they've spent years learning about all these different conditions and thinking that they're different diseases and so it's very difficult for them to realize that it is a paradigm shift to say well there aren't different diseases which i know will be a shock to people as well you know there are just different Um, symptoms that people experience and different sets of symptoms and symptom complexes, whatever way people want to describe them, but they're not different conditions. They're not things that we get, you know, then we don't get catch uh, these diseases. We just have conditions within the body that produce symptoms. And that's because it's the body that heals itself. And that of course is big paradigm shift because it takes the power back to the people to be able to look after their own health to um, take responsibility for what they put in and on their body and of course that means they then don't go to the doctor and therefore they're not support you know the whole pharmaceutical industry is um is somewhat defunct at that point um so really you know that's that's um that that's quite a big deal so it is a it is a huge paradigm shift
0: and when you consider that doctors as, as i said earlier we had to talk to doctors and inquire into how they were trained at medical school and uh, as we found out you know they uh, the curriculums in medical schools are largely set by the pharmaceutical companies and uh, the curriculum is largely set by pharmaceutical companies and the college library is stocked by pharmaceutical companies and many of the lecturers are employed by pharmaceutical companies and that's why I said doctors are trained really to be um salesmen for the drug companies you know we're in their training they don't get to do any research they are they are just fed lots of information so basically in simple terms they're told this bacterium causes that disease this virus causes that disease and these are the drugs that you administer for those things um and they don't get to question that that's just accepted as gospel and uh, i'm sure your uh, uh your listeners uh dad, if he was honest enough, will admit that's it. They, they don't get to say, well, where are, the, where are the scientific papers that prove this virus has been isolated, fully genetically characterised and proved to cause the said disease? They don't get to ask those questions. They don't get to see those papers, <laughs> mainly because they don't exist. Of course, as we found out in our ten years of research and no one else has been able to find any scientific paper that proves categorically that uh, either a bacterium or a virus is has ever been proven to cause whatever disease is attributed to it, and that's the crux of it all. There is no scientific backup for the dogma, and that's all it is that's uh, promulgated at medical college. And we found the same with virology. They're taught a methodology of what is supposed to be isolation of a virus and uh you know we've looked at that very carefully we've discussed it with doctors in particular dr stefan Lanker, who was trained as a virologist so he knows very well what they do and uh it's just a faulty methodology dating back to 1954 oh. and uh, with uh, enders and peebles you know you, you probably can still get hold of the original paper when they were trying to prove that a virus caused measles which they were unsuccessful in doing but at least in their paper they admitted that there could be other reasons for why the cells in their petri dish all died and that the reasons could be something other than a virus uh, now at least they admitted that in their paper but virologists today well right from then up till now so what roughly 70 years have been doing the same test which is a faulty test it, doesn't prove anything and uh, as dr stefan lanker pointed out none of them ever do a control experiment to see if they could get the same results without any viral material being present in the petri dish and he's proved this he's demonstrated it he's published it uh, to show that you get exactly the same results because the cells in the petri dish usually nearly always monkey kidney cells and bovine serum which is blood from a baby calf those are the cells that are in the dish and they will die if you without any viral material being put into the dish if you leave it for the said up to five days which virologists do the cells die because they've been poisoned and starved (laughs) because of the experiment that they do so it doesn't require any so-called viral material to be in the petri dish and that's that's the control experiment to show you get exactly the same result Um, So as Dr. Stefan Lanker said, you know, what virologists do and have been doing for the last 70 years, they disprove themselves because they have never, ever been able to truly isolate a so-called virus and genetically characterize it and prove that it causes a disease. So even to the point where they claim to have uh, done that, but as we've seen, they're cocktail in a petri dish they call an isolation so they confuse the public when they say we have isolated it Mm. but when they say isolated it no it's it's a cocktail of about five or more different components in their petri dish well that's not an isolation is it you know an isolation is when you separate one thing from everything else and virologists don't do that so they can't prove ever that um, a so-called virus is in their petri dish and is killing the cells. They can't prove it.
1: So what happens then if you go onto the internet and you do a search for isolation and you come up with lots of results where SARS-CoV-2 has been isolated, etc.? What's going on there?
0: Well, we've looked at these papers and so fortunately have people like Dr. Stefan Lanker and dr tom cowan and dr andy kaufman in fact dr andy kaufman did quite an expose on one of those papers which had been published in uh, the journal scientific journal nature which is supposed to be the most prestigious scientific journal in the world and there was a paper published in nature which uh, purported to have done just that it put, was it purported to have um isolated the virus covid virus and fully categorised it and met all of Cox's postulates and proved to have uh, caused uh, COVID. That's what it said in the abstract in the paper. So that sounded pretty conclusive. But like us, Dr. Andy Kaufman read through the full methodology of what they'd actually done. And when you read it, it's very tedious, but when you read through it, you realise that they haven't done any of those things at all. And when you get to the end of the paper in that particular paper they actually admit it they admit that they've not didn't actually meet all of Cox's postulates they didn't fully isolate and categorize genetically the so-called virus and they did not prove it was the sole sole cause of covid so completely fraudulent really uh, because the abstract says one thing and the actual methodology says something entirely different and this is true for all of the papers that claim to have uh, isolated uh, covid and, and prove that it uh, causes the disease they all because they all use the same faulty methodology and uh, it's only when you read through the papers that you realize it and i mean again dr tom cowan did a great job with this because he had at one time a team of 15 people working for him who were looking around the world for any paper any scientific paper purporting to have isolated the virus to see whether they actually had and they they spent a whole year 15 people so that's a lot of man hours spending a whole year looking at these papers and not one of them was actually scientifically correct not one so um it's unfortunate that of course not everyone knows that and it fools the general public if they come across it we used to get it all the time people would write to us and say what about this paper you know they they say they have actually isolated the virus Um, we don't get it so much now because uh, people have started to realize that um, it's just nonsense you know and um, but of course it's taken many doctors in as well because many doctors just read the abstract like members of the public if they come across the paper and like this one that was published in nature it says that they've done all those things uh, because most people will not bother to read all through the methodology Mm and realise that actually they haven't done that at all. Um, and so it's, to me, I think it's deliberate fraud, and it's really disappointing that a paper, a fraudulent paper, let's call it what it is, a fraudulent paper like that was published in Nature magazine. You know, that just shows, I think, the length that the officialdom are prepared to go to to deceive the general public and doctors as well. Uh, And I think that's disgraceful. Absolutely. Well, it's criminal because of what they're doing on the basis of that, you know, locking the world down, you know, forcing people to have jabs, which are injuring them or killing them, causing people to lose their jobs if they refuse to have the jabs. All of the mayhem that they've caused, I mean, is absolutely criminal and it's still going on. Uh, So that's why we do what we do. And, you do what you do to try and bring this information to the general public in a way that they can understand and uh, either start to do a little more research of their own. Or, of course, they're always welcome to buy our book and it's all laid out in that for them. So uh, we've done the 10 years of research, so they don't have to, you know, basically so, or come to our website at least. And uh, there's a lot of free information there that will help people at least start their journey. Of discovery to realize that they've uh, not been told the truth about uh, the medical establishment or uh, what really makes you ill and we do explain what really makes you ill as well two books
1: that decisively challenged my paradigms uh, were bechampo pasture and uh, virus mania and yeah. those those books well, particularly the second, Virus Mania, it looks at a number of different virus outbreaks over the last hundred years, and it dissects each each one yes. using, the, using the data. And you come to realize that not a single viral outbreak required a virus. Absolutely. Yeah.
2: I mean, we um, did actually, uh, well, we do have a copy of Virus Mania, but the first edition which I believe was published in something like 2007, Well, the English version in 2007. Uh, I know they've um, updated it a couple of times, but I mean, you know, we did, that was one of our sort of early research books, if you like, so that that helped, and we do reference it in, in our own book as well. So, yes, I mean, you're quite right. That's, that's quite uh, an eye-opener with uh, looking at the, the many um, alleged <laughs> uh, infectious diseases, and and you know they did a great job of, of looking at them. So um, you know we looked at some of the similar um, diseases that they looked at, but we also decided to look at some of some of the others. You know just to just to test to see if, you know, if there was such a thing as an infectious disease and maybe something that they hadn't covered. So yes. Um, but yes, I mean, that that's a, it's it's a good book. That's,
0: that's why we looked at things, obscure things like the Black Death, to see if, if that was an, inf- as we were told at school, uh, you know, by infected rat fleas, you know. Um, and we found in all cases, uh, there was never any scientific evidence to prove that a germ, either a bacterium or a virus, was the actual cause. And there were always lots more logical reasons as to why people were getting ill. And that we explain all that in, in our book. Um, that's why it's so big. <laughs> uh,
1: but, I mean, if you look at, say, for example, polio, that was massive. And as it turns out, the vaccine killed people and as well as whatever – uh, people think polio was. It wasn't you know, it was related to insecticide.
2: Correct. Yes. Well I mean again using the word polio is sort of slightly deceptive. I mean there were a lot of cases of people who were paralyzed, you know. So if we're talking about cases of paralysis, that would certainly be related to um, neurotoxic pesticides, insecticides, um, started off with um, lead arsenate and then DDT. You know, they're, they're neurotoxins. And so People being exposed to um, to those nasty uh, chemicals would certainly have been affected by it, and they're certainly capable of causing paralysis. So yes, you know, I mean, lead, what, lead's known to be a new, you know really serious neurotoxin.
0: Because what we found when we investigated polio, and it, it is in our book, that uh, it it appeared to be a seasonal thing. You know, uh, people seem to go down with the paralysis. Um, in the sort of summertime and autumn time when it had its highest incidence, which they never quite understood until it was realized that it was what was being sprayed on the crops as uh, dawn said um, either to start with lead uh, acetate arsenate uh, arsenate, sorry and then um ddt Um, and once they stopped doing that of course the incidence of polio started to disappear but already of course, as the pharmaceutical companies always do, they immediately blame a virus and uh, want to produce a vaccine. And uh, Jonas Salk is probably the best known one for producing the polio vaccine, Uh, but it didn't cure anything. And in 1977, he had to announce publicly that his vaccine was responsible for the polio uh, outbreaks in America and then his vaccine was uh, withdrawn. So this is the sort of thing we came across time and time again. But uh, also
2: one of the things that they did, which is you know quite common, is that they changed the um, symptoms that they um, alleged were related to polio and they reduced the um, paralysis because it was originally mainly paralysis. And then it turned into something that was just sort of an infectious disease. Um, But the other thing that they also did was that cases that would have previously been diagnosed as polio, they started uh, creating a whole load of other labels. And that's why it's important to realise there are no separate diseases, because they created other labels for sets of symptoms that they would previously have called polio. But then they started calling them all sorts of other names. I mean, you know, they're now uh, and again in india so the they're saying that polio's being reduced but there is a a similar rise in um acute flaccid myelitis or or those kinds of things which is clinically indistinguishable from polio in other words they've just given it a different name but to try and make out that oh well it's not polio it's something else you know it's a new disease it's a new Mm. condition which it's not it's, you know, as I say, they, they use, I mean, that, that's only one example. There are plenty of other examples of how they've relabeled the um, the symptoms that they would have previously called polio and called it something else.
0: And, um, and, and that's an important point. I know Dawn made it earlier, but it's a really important point for people to take on board. That So I'll repeat it, uh, which is that there are not lots of different diseases. There are just different collections of symptoms and the cause of those symptoms Boil down into what we refer to as our four factors, which you know we can talk about when you're ready to talk about them. Would you like me to go through them now and say I'd, what those four factors are?
1: Almost. I just want to ask <laughs> you quickly about this concept of disease. I was going to. I was going to actually ask you about that. Would you mind expanding that? Sorry,
0: which bit? Uh, well, that there are no different diseases. Oh right. Okay. Yeah. It's because when the medical establishment talks about diseases um, and as dawn said they stick someone comes in with certain symptoms and they've been trained to hear what those symptoms are and then put a label on them so you know if uh, you come up in certain spots and rashes and blisters say in the genital area they'll say it's a sexually transmitted disease probably herpes or something like that Um, if you've got some other symptoms they'll say oh it's a viral infection and it's uh, influenza or, or whatever but the symptoms when you look at the actual symptoms there are not that many different symptoms they're just different collections and they will depend on what it is that's made the person ill quite often it's they've come into contact with some toxic material and um, And it will also depend on that word that uh, is bandied about a lot, the terrain. Um, So everyone's terrain may be somewhat different. And all that is, is just the general health of their body, depending on their lifestyle, what they eat and drink, what they put in and on their body and the environment that they live in, uh, will determine how, how healthy their terrain is. So... One person being exposed to a particular toxic dose of something will react differently to another person uh, being exposed to the same dose, depending on their general health. So that's why people may exhibit slightly different symptoms or very different symptoms, even though they've both been exposed to the same toxin. So disease, that's why we tend not to use the word disease, because everyone, as soon as you use that word, they... Automatically think you've it's something you've caught. You know you've been infected with something. These are all the buzzwords. You know infection, disease. So we talk about illness. People become ill to try and take away from these loaded words. So then we can explain. Yes, people become ill, and they become ill for quite a, a, a limited range of reasons. Again, we're back to the what the four factors are, and very often, very often toxicity uh, is one of the major causes that basically people have been poisoned in some way either through what they're eating drinking putting in or on the body what the atmosphere is you know it can be chemtrails it can be all sorts of things Uh, it can be farmers spraying their fields with insecticides and pesticides which drift across you know there's quite a lot of drift from these things and people can (laughs) yes emfs you know one of them which is an increasing problem. All of these things are what really make people ill, and we, we go into detail about these factors uh, in our book. You say a label
1: uh, isn't a good thing, but doesn't it help classify certain clusters of symptoms? Like, for example, chickenpox, if I say chickenpox, we all know what I'm talking about. Sure.
2: Um, well, yes and no, but uh, again, it's still a label attached to a certain type of, Spot or rash, um, but calling it chickenpox makes it sound as if it's something specific when it isn't. Because all um, skin eruptions um, are the body's efforts to detoxify. So by giving a particular label to one type, it's as if there is a specific um, condition. So that's why we we try and say, well, there are no different diseases and to keep away from the labels we just say well skin eruptions you know and there are different types you know they may be um sort of balls they may be blisters they may be pustules they may be just you know
0: rashes yeah Yeah. sort
2: of all, all um more serious. I mean, you know, we've seen the pictures of uh, monkeypox. You know, that looks pretty nasty. Um, but again, you know, it it certainly looks like the the body's kind of expelling stuff and sort of really pushing, trying to push stuff out through the skin. And that's really what it is. So saying, you know, that there is something that is specific, something that is distinct that we can say, oh, that's chickenpox, is still missing the point that that's a skin eruption of some description,
0: and and that it's a toxin that the body's trying to push out. The skin is the largest organ of the body and will sometimes be its first route for pushing out toxic material. And that, as Dawn has said, will come up as spots, rushes, boils, mm-hmm. blisters. Uh, but doctors don't realise that because they're not trained to realise that. So they stick a label on it, which might be chickenpox or measles or whatever, and that, and of course, blame a virus. Or, or maybe bacteria sometimes, but usually a virus. Uh, and that really leads them down the wrong track. You know, they don't realise that that person has been poisoned in some way, let's mm. be blunt about it, and that the body's trying to get rid of that poison. And it's not a disease, it's not an infection. They've not been infected with something. So, but the doctor doesn't realise that. So they then want to give some pharmaceutical product to try and suppress what the body's trying to do so the body's trying to get rid of the poison through the skin and the doctor's trying to give them the patient something to repress that to suppress Mm -hmm. it and so there's a battle then goes on between a toxic pharmaceutical product and the toxins that's already in the person's body and the doctors are really just adding more toxins for the body to deal with And, and then it can end up going deeper into the body and becoming some other chronic condition which like cancer, another another label yes like well, cancer.
2: eventually eventually yes. it can, i mean there are a whole range of other sort of chronic conditions that might um occur before it gets to that stage but yes
0: and, the, and this is the again one of the main messages we try to give to people is to understand how the body works understand what health is understand this misnomer of infectious diseases there are no such thing you know and that's a big shock to people Uh, but this is what our 10 years of research and now other doctors have realized too and then of course have to come out of the medical profession because uh, that's completely contrary to what they were taught in medical school Mm. that there are not infectious diseases and uh, for the most part people have been poisoned in one way or another I mean even our water supplies you know toxic materials are put into it whether it's chlorine or fluoride or both and uh, many other things which work their way into the water supply so people are being poisoned every day and then eventually the body gets overwhelmed and symptoms appear which then get labeled as a disease and then they give a more toxic material by their doctor stroke pharmaceutical company um Uh, and uh, and then it becomes a vicious circle and they can never get well from you as we often say you can't poison the body back to health you have to clean out the toxins and stop putting any more in it's it's a very simple thing health Mm. health is very simple once you understand how the body works and what it is that makes it ill and again that's why our book is nearly 800 pages because we explain those things so people can uh make a big change in the way they think and educate themselves into what true health is and how to stay well um, all of their lives without recourse, particularly without recourse, to pharmaceutical products which are invariably all toxic. They call them side effects, of course, but, uh, you know, let's be honest, they're direct effects. If you didn't take the drug, it wouldn't be poisoning you. It's as simple as that. So what really makes you ill? Okay. I knew we'd get there eventually. (laughs) Well, we we
2: also have to go to, you know, what really makes you healthy.
0: Yeah. So what really makes you ill is, um, and the two are linked, of course, because, as I say, with all the diseases, illnesses that we studied over the 10 years, we realized that we could boil it down to four factors, um, which were always at the base one or more of them was always responsible for why a person had got ill or an animal for that matter because we looked at animal illnesses too and it was in no particular order of importance it was toxicity which we've touched on a few times Um, so this is what you either put in or on your body purposely you know so it can be personal care products or uh, Um, or it can be the food you eat if people eat a lot of uh, processed food there's the additives colorings preservatives all of which are toxic in one way or another so it's what you put in and on your body purposefully or what you come into contact with in your workplace or in the environment as we've said Um, it can be things that are very difficult to do anything about what's sprayed in the air in the way of chemtrails or farmers spraying their fields So there's all sorts of ways that you can come into contact with toxic material. So that's one factor. Uh, Lack of proper nutrition was another. This is, as you know, not the amount of food you eat, but whether it's nutritious or not. Because uh, a lot of people do live on convenience foods, processed foods, uh, which are very low in nutrition. So because of the way the body works, um, it needs... The antioxidants from fresh fruit and vegetables to be able to neutralize the free radicals that get produced when the body is under attack from say toxins uh, because the body produces free radicals on a natural basis anyway every day but provided you're having a nutritious diet they are neutralized and you wouldn't know anything about it and the body works just having vigorous exercise can The body can produce more free radicals and what free radicals are basically are uh, ions, which is spelled I-O-N-S, ions, which are uh, either molecules or atoms, which have lost one or more of their electrons. Um, So it becomes a positive charge and it becomes then a scavenger, if you like, and will seek to replace that lost electron um, and it can take it from healthy tissue. So unless you've got a good supply of uh, antioxidants from your food, um, damage can occur to healthy tissue. And if left unchecked, um, can lead to more chronic conditions, as you mentioned, cancers. So it's keeping that balance, which uh, and the body can do it perfectly well, but, but it has to have the nutritious food to start with. So people can get a, a double whammy, if you like, where they can be being exposed to chemical attack and uh but are not eating nutritious food because they're eating processed food from supermarkets so they're getting more of these uh, f- uh free radicals and not enough of the nutrients to isolate uh, uh, eliminate them and so it event- eventually becomes a um, an illness <clears throat> okay so that's two so it's nutrition and toxicity the third one would be emfs you mentioned earlier electromagnetic frequencies um, which we are bombarded with all electrical devices and uh, cabling anything electrical produces electromagnetic frequencies and so we're surrounded by them and uh, it's a case of trying to mitigate them you can't eliminate them uh, so you have to mitigate them so you know we all use uh, cell phones or mobile phones as some people call them so We would recommend you know that people use them sensibly don't put them to your head you know you can use them hands-free don't put them under your pillow when you go to sleep at night you know in fact don't even keep them in the bedroom um you know switch off your wi-fi hubs if you can when you're not using it um it's all sorts of different ways of trying to minimize your exposure to emfs because emfs again will cause uh these free radicals and uh uh, you know, they can cause damage to the myelin sheaths, which coat the nerves. So it can, you can exhibit all sorts of neurological problems, which can be caused by EMFs, so even even to the extent of brain tumours. And I think the rise in brain tumours is directly attributable to cell phones, because <clears throat> um, very often the tumour is behind the ear of the one that People mostly put their phone to um, and because it's in close such close proximity so that's why we recommend people use it hands-free keep it as well away from the body so emfs yeah difficult but um, just use sensible things we do recommend that um, uh, people don't have bluetooth earphones um, because you're basically putting a radio transmitter in your head so try and use wired ear earphones rather than i know they're not as convenient but i had to ditch mine i had some very nice ones but uh, as an electrical engineer i can measure the output from these things and once i could see the uh, amount of uh, electrical radiation they were putting out that was it i knew that i couldn't use them anymore um and so you know you have to be sensible so these are the recommendations we make so emfs yeah surrounded by them but you can mitigate your exposure and within reason your body can repair the damage if you attend to these other factors as well so that's three of the factors and then the fourth one is uh, prolonged emotional stress because when people are in fear or stress and it's prolonged um you know not just i'm um, a bit late for catching the train and you know when you have a burst of adrenaline to get there no we're talking about prolonged emotional stress that again produces free radicals and if they're not neutralized over a period of time it's not only psychological damage that it can cause but also physiological damage you know uh, so these are the four factors and we've we obviously explain them in detail in in our book and um, if you attend to those four factors which you, people can do once they're aware of them um They can live a healthy life, as I say, without recourse to uh, expensive pharmaceutical products, which won't actually cure them of anything and will actually cause more problems because they're all toxic, all of them. Uh, So that's that's why we say health is a simple thing. Once you know how the body works and you can address these simple factors and uh, without spending lots of money or doing anything uh, preposterous, uh, to keep yourself health healthy
2: the thing is that problems can't um, can't be solved unless, unless you actually get to the root cause and the whole medical establishment is is not about finding a root cause it's just um, uh, managing symptoms you know because it may well um, most so-called chronic conditions um, the well we we found uh, just all of the ones that we looked into the medical establishment does not know what the causes are you know they they admit to not knowing um and therefore all they're doing is addressing symptoms but that means that the person's um, condition can't be improved because you have to actually remove the cause and that's where why we sort of dug deep into the real causes so once you address those causes then um, your body won't display those symptoms because it will be functioning properly because you aren't then um, exposing it to the causes uh, the factors that actually will, uh, make it ill. And I mean, the, the stress thing is, is really, uh, important considering the last two and a half years, um, you know, it's like over two and a half years now. Um, you know, I mean, that's, that's been deliberate to keep people stressed out psychologically, um, damaged, if you like, um, confused. So they're not thinking clearly, not making good decisions. But it's but it is damaging to the body, not just to the mind, you know, because the mind and body aren't separate. So, you know, they do um, function together. And if when you're in that level of fear constantly, um, it it can be damaging. But also people can uh, create the conditions in their body that they fear. Um, You know, if people are fear are fearful you know if they fear these so-called germs around them and and that thinks that and they think that that these these invisible agents are going to make them ill then they can actually manifest those symptoms just out of that fear alone you know we know about the placebo and the Mm nocebo effect and and it's it's not just a you know you know that's not important it is very important and that's a, a particular factor Um, that's going on at the moment and that's why we're trying to help people understand that there is nothing to fear because that takes one of those factors away you know there's there are no invisible germs out there that are going to make the mill and there's no reason to stay away from everybody else there's no reason, reason to follow these measures which are actually harmful um so again that's another factor but it's to to help people understand there's nothing to fear So that takes that factor away. And then they realise that they can address the other factors because then they're capable of functioning properly and thinking rather than just living in fear and and not not knowing what to do and confusion. I mean, that's what this is about, really.
0: And they realise, of course, that once there's no germs to be afraid of, then they will ask the other more obvious question is, well, what, what do I need? What are these vaccinations? What are these jabs about? You know? there's nothing to protect me against you know i don't i don't need them and they're quite right of course they don't and uh, these latest jabs the covid ones as i say they, they can't even call them a vaccination i mean getting them onto the market was quite fraudulent i mean the vaccine manufacturers uh call them a vaccine to start with because there are different federal laws governing How a vaccine is allowed to go onto the market, but as we now know, these jabs are uh, more likely to be called gene therapy. Well, there's a different set of rules for something that can be classed as gene therapy. Mm. So they've really lied to the federal drug agencies, and that they've to sneak into the market um, a, a trial jab (laughs) avoid calling it a vaccine uh, uh, you know which is quite illegal and so for no other reason it should have been taken off the market straight away when people realize it doesn't meet the criteria by their own laws um in the countries where it's produced it doesn't meet the criteria to be called a vaccine and therefore they should take it off the market and say well until you've uh, at least um gone through the correct procedures for what it is which is gene therapy unless you've gone through the proper procedures uh, you can't put it on the market but and it just shows how complicit the whole legal system governmental system pharmaceutical system is in this crime against humanity because that's what it is they've ridden roughshod over all the laws that were supposed to protect people even um, the jabs are, admitted by Pfizer and others that it's uh, all part of a a drug trial uh, which in their own terms uh, is not supposed to finish until uh, the next couple of years or at least the next year so for the last two and a half years people have been unwittingly taking part in a drug trial which under Mm. international law they should have been informed about now to my knowledge no one is told before they're given a jab Uh, Do you realize you're taking part in a drug trial and these are the symptoms that could occur when you take this jab? No one's told that. So, again, they're all breaking the law. Um, And this was even covered in uh, the Nuremberg Code, wasn't it? You know, people are not uh, uh, supposed to give knowing consent to taking medical intervention. Being given all the facts, well, people are not being given all the facts. And as I say, they're not even told that they're actually taking part in a drug trial. So it's all of everything about this whole Covid crime is is just that. it's a crime, and it's a very well organised crime by uh, the people that are pulling the strings. I'm talking about the people that are pulling the government strings because as we know, none of the governments of the world are operating independently. They're all being told what to do by uh, these other bodies, people like the Club of Rome and the Committee 300 and the Tavistock Institute, places like that, Um, and the banks, of course, the uh, international banks. So this whole thing has been controlled and contrived and planned for many years and put into operation to gain control of the world population and uh, that's o- what we're seeing or depopulation yes um, yes it, it is quite sinister and already as we know thousands of people have died because of this and many more thousands, tens, well millions worldwide have been permanently damaged by these measures both mentally and physically and, and still it goes on so this is why shows like yours and the things that we do are very important to at least each time we talk to be able to probably find some more people that weren't quite sure and now they know and have somewhere to go somewhere they can get extra information that they can tell their friends possibly persuade them not to have a jab Um, and this is what we try to do and it's not always easy we talk to lots of people who have tried to explain what we've been talking about this evening have tried to explain it to friends and family and have just met well violence in some cases but certain resistance without checking the evidence out they just think well that's craziness you know like we've had from some doctors they're so stuck in the old way they won't even look at the evidence they'd just rather call you names or uh, or worse Uh, so it, it can be an uphill struggle and we get lots of reports of breaking up family members, losing friends. This is a very common thing, but we have to do it because the, the world, the world's health is at stake here. And uh, that's uh, that has to be got back under control with the people.
1: I'm just wondering, while you were talking now, um, you're going through the four, the four vectors uh, that cause illness. And I'm just, thinking now that perhaps people for the most part intuitively know actually what creates good health let me give an example all you have to do is be friends with people who live in the city uh, who live busy lives and wait for them to say you know i just need to get away for a weekend i want to turn off my phone get into the mountains lie in the sunshine swim in the pool Um, And just get away from everything That They they know, people know that this Intuitively is what creates better health
0: Yes I think you're right Uh, But people don't trust themselves, you see Because this is, again, how people Are educated, that You know, people are, are Told that, well, they're not an expert In their health, you know, they're trained From a very early age To put all their faith in the medical system You know, that if you're you know the medical system knows how to look after you and that's your first port of call if you're not feeling too good um, and it's your first port of call for advice on how to stay well and of course they propagandize the people through the mainstream media don't they they're their culprits in this as well without the mainstream media they wouldn't have had the success that they've had in uh Perpetrating this crime against humanity, if the media was against them, if the media said, Well, hold on a minute, let's at least have some alternative views on the mainstream stage for people like us or Dr. Andy Kaufman or Tom Cowan. Let's hear what they've got to say so the public can make up their own minds. But none of that has happened anywhere in the world. And that should make people very suspicious. as to why that has not happened and they planned it that way you know in event 201 in 2019 october 2019 they said that's exactly what they were going to do they were going to control the narrative and they were going to stifle any dissenting voices Mm. so they planned it and that's what they've been doing
2: the thing is if if they knew what they were doing was right they wouldn't have to stifle the opposition, would they? They wouldn't have to stop people from being able to express well, not even express dissenting views, even ask questions. I mean, you know, they just don't allow anyone to ask questions. I mean, some of the information when we were looking, um, you know, hundred years ago or whatever, um, they used to have public de- debates about these questions. You know, about the, uh, you know, whether vaccinations were a good idea or not. You know, there were public literally public debates but of course they know that that's not a good idea because people like us are actually able to show that no they're not a good idea and to provide the evidence to support what we're saying or or at least to show that there is no evidence for their claim because um, the burden of proof is obviously for on those who propose a theory it's not for us to prove our theory because we're not we don't have a theory, we're merely saying, uh, well, say merely, but we're, we're showing that the medical establishment theory that germs cause disease has not been proven and um, they don't want uh, the public to know that. So that's why they have to shut it down. But if they were confident in their view, they would allow you know, public debates on mm. that. But of course, David said it was deliberate to, to make so, sure they shut out anything and call anyone who doesn't follow the mainstream narrative a conspiracy theorist or similar kinds of names oh anti-vaxxer that's the other one you know just just derogatory terms mm. to make us look to try and discredit us mm. um but i i think you know there are now people who are more and more people who are Listening to the kind of information that people like us are putting out and, you know, like with your programs, people you've interviewed uh, and they're starting to realize that, you know, we aren't nut cases. You know, we have looked into this and um, we actually know what we're talking about. You know, we yep. might not have all the answers, but we certainly have enough information to say this is a, a crime against humanity. Mm. There is no evidence for what they're saying and um, to help people take back responsibility for themselves, their lives, their health, all of it. And, of course, that's they don't want that. They want to be in control of everything.
0: And so, everybody. Well. Yeah.
1: You know, I, I, I really wish more people would read that book, uh, Béchamp or Pasteur. Uh, I think you can even get it for free now. I mean, it's quite an old book.
0: Yes. But it, yes, really,
1: mm, it really did challenge me in many ways because here you had – Anthony Bechamp. I, th- I hope I'm pronouncing his name correctly.
0: And Anton, yeah, Anton Bechamp,
1: yeah. Um, oh, but we need to sound fancy because he was French, Antony. <laughs> oh well, no, no that sounds Antoine, Italian.
2: I think it should should be Antoine, really. Yeah. But anyway,
1: we know who we mean. Oh, <laughs> 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 uh-huh, We're going to bring in that French, that French spin. But I mean, he was already saying more than a century ago that germs originate from inside cells. Uh, while Louis Pasteur was saying, no, not really. And Louis Pasteur ended up getting all the funding. But the, the experiments that uh, Beauchamp was doing were actually experiments that anybody can do today and can see for themselves.
0: Yes, I mean, he was a true scientist, mm. unlike Louis Pasteur, who was a chemist. And, um,
2: <clears throat> but he had the right connections, as you say. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah he had connect the right connections and of course with the uh, growing power of uh, the drug companies uh, of course they latched onto that and uh, could see lots of money to be made so uh, and Béchamp was a very different person a much more gentle uh, unassuming type of person and uh, so wasn't in the limelight although I take on board what you're saying about uh, Béchamp's book as Dawn said we have a copy we've studied his work but in all fairness it's not the easiest of reads Mm -mm. and uh, for everyone so it could be a bit off-putting and that's why and i'm plugging our book that's why we've uh, tried (laughs) very hard to make our book very readable so that people can get all the information they need without having to have a degree in microbiology or something like that i've Uh, I've got your book and it is it is very easy to read yeah thank you uh, what
2: the, does it say a degree but also a dictionary beside them
0: yes yeah uh, we you know we've tried to avoid all that and give the information that people need uh, so it can be read by every man and woman as it were um and i think we've been successful in that because uh, we're told so by thousands of people that have bought the book so uh, um uh, so that that's good so i think we've, we've we can give ourselves a pat on the back that we've been successful in uh, presenting the information in in an easily understandable way that people can make practical use of and take back control of their health, which is really what we intended. Do you think
1: people were healthier a thousand years ago?
0: Well, that's a bit difficult to answer, really, as we weren't around a thousand years ago. But uh,
2: difficult to know.
0: It's difficult to know, really, because. We, like anyone, has come to realize that what the history books might tell us or lead us to believe uh, is not necessarily true. And so we can be very given a very false idea of how history was and how people lived. Um, but certainly, I think, I mean, people have often said that, uh, like during the Second World War, when uh, much store was put on people, Uh, Well, there was a saying in Britain of dig for victory and uh, people were encouraged to uh, get their allotments and their gardens growing fresh fruit and vegetables, you know, and everyone Mm. tried to do it no matter how small a garden they'd got was to turn it over into growing food locally. And so people were having a better diet because they were eating fresh produce uncontaminated by anything Mm. from their own gardens. And they say that during that period that people's health actually improved during the war. that's not the people that were in the trenches or being shot at every day, but I'm just talking about the civilians at home providing they weren't being bombed um, that their health improved because they had much better diets because they were growing their own food locally
2: which also if you're growing your own food, there is a you know, a minimal amount of time between when you're actually picking the food and when you eat it. So, you know, they were, you know, picking it and eating it the same day. Whereas now there is a whole uh, distribution system that means there could be weeks between something uh, when something is picked and when you actually eat it. And often they're, they're picked before they're even ripe so that they ripen sort of during the storing period, even though it's sort of cold storage. But again, um... That's when food, fresh food, produce, fresh produce, starts to lose its nutritional value. So again, you know, the when you're growing your own or, or you know you, you're um, actually sourcing your food locally, then it's going to be much fresher, and that again, will have a, a higher nutritional intake uh, input um, and for a, you.
0: And again, that's why well, we also advise as much as possible to buy organic fruit and veg, because the plants will have been grown in healthier conditions, the soil will have been checked so that it's healthy, the soil is healthy and that the plants are minimally, you know, we're not gonna say it's 100% never sprayed with anything, it shouldn't be, but we know nothing is 100% perfect. But if you buy organic produce, then you're less likely to have had it sprayed with horrible chemicals and that it will be grown in soil, which is a lot more healthy. And the soil is important because the plants need to uptake the minerals from the soil so that they can then transfer them to you when you eat them. If the soil is not healthy, the plant can't take up those minerals and uh, magnesium is one of them. Um, So it's not going to be able to transfer those uh, minerals to you uh, when you eat them. So again, simple things. Uh, i know people say well organic food is more expensive well yes it it, it very well can be but it's what price health you know um it's just it's just little ways to advise people how they can improve Mm -hmm. health by what they eat and drink you know water you know install a distiller or a reverse osmosis system in your house uh one of cost Um, At least then you can be sure that you're drinking pure water that's not got chlorine and fluoride and all of the other uh, trace contaminants of heavy metals and pharmaceutical products which find their way into the water supply and don't get filtered out at the main filtration plants. So uh, it's these things that uh, can make a big difference to how healthy a person is and they're much less likely to uh, have any sickness. Um, So uh, all of these things can be brought under people's control once they know about it. And that's really what we try to do, inform people so they can make informed decisions.
1: In front of you, there's a crystal ball. What do you see?
2: Oh, that's a, that's an interesting question. Um, what do I see? Um, I see um, things changing for the better. Um, I don't know how quickly, but, uh, you know, people learning to take back control over their lives and creating new ways of living, lots of different ways, lots of different ways of uh, interacting with each other, um, sort of... Taking life and work, seeing work differently, seeing life differently, and moving it away from this system. Um, yeah, very yes. Um, yeah. That in a general sense.
0: Mm. All right, David. I read, yeah, I, I'm very optimistic too. That, um, I've often said that I think this whole COVID thing is um, a great awakening. For people Mm. because we know from the people we talk to that it's woken in the true sense a lot of people up because they know there's something very wrong and then they've started to look into it they've turned to people like us and they realize that there's criminal activity on an international scale that's going on so i think it's a it is a a great awakening and it's a great awakening for humanity as a whole and a great awakening in consciousness which will bring people uh, together and it is doing we know from the groups that we talk to all around the country the UK um, bringing groups together who are working together so and they want to change uh, not uh, class swabs great reset they want a reset but a reset which gives power back to the people and you know we're great believers in consciousness and this is a, this is a development in consciousness for humanity as a whole where they're stepping up a notch in awareness and uh, will take better care of one another and the world that they live in because as we say to people everything is connected everything is connected through consciousness and uh, that's what this is all about it is this great awakening and and it is working so i'm very optimistic that the we'll call them the sort of dark energies that are perpetrating these crimes will fade into the background they will be as people become awake on a massive scale worldwide they these dark powers will fade into the background and uh uh, it will be a much happier time Uh, again like dawn we can't say it's going to be next month but it is happening it's been happening all over this last two and a half years and it's continuing to happen and um you know it will it will march onwards and so i'm very i'm very optimistic for the future i see it uh, not dim and dark and getting worse because there's lots of doomsday prophets i know out there but uh, i don't want people to be drawn dragged down by them because it gives them a negative attitude and if as we've said the mind is very powerful and if they're drawn into these doomsday prophecies and are thinking the worst all the time you know that's very detrimental to them and uh and it's unnecessary because uh, as we often tell people people are much more powerful than they realize and once they start to recognize that power um and grow into it and realize that uh, they have hidden qualities that will come to fruition and that again is part of what's happening now so uh, that's really moves more into our uh, native reality work but uh, that's another story
1: we know the book, but let's let's do all the promo stuff again. If I wanted to buy another copy of your book and follow your work, where, where can
0: I go? Okay. Well, if if it's a one, I often say it's a one-stop shop. Really, if people just go to our website, which is uh, whatreallymakesyouill.com, dot com, so it's nice and easy. First part, they can find out lots about us, all free. Lots of uh, f- all the free interviews and uh, 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 articles and things like that. Uh, they can buy the audio book there, so we do do an audio version. In fact, our website is the only place they can get an audio version. Who who reads it? Sorry.
2: It, it's, uh, a, it's a it's text to it's a, uh, speech um, oh, sort okay. of software program. Yeah, it was the only way. Um, you know, there's about there's, uh, was it something like uh, three hundred and fifty thousand words. So you know, in the book, so you know, a bit of a task. So we, we, a, we went that route because there was just it was just not uh viable for us to to go any other route
0: but there's um, a there's a sample of the book in the the readers it's an english voice that's quite pretty good but there's a free sample of it that people can listen to and think oh that's that's okay you know that's uh, good or not as the case may be so they can uh, they can make a choice then but uh, it it's quite well um people can download it onto any of their devices uh, But they can only get it from our website, whereas the book, uh, there's lots of places you can get it, which includes Amazon, of course. All books end up on Amazon, but there are lots of online bookstores that do it. And uh, I see that, I mean, you can get it from your bookshop if you go to your bookshop and order it. If they've not got it in, they they will get it for you. It's a proper book. It's got an ISBN number, and so they can order it if they wish through their local bookshop. But they can start by going to our website at whatreallymakesyouill.com and uh, finding out more about our work. They can get a newsletter. They can, yeah, well, there's yeah. a free newsletter uh, that they can sign up for, so that gives them information periodically. And um, there's a members area which they can join, uh, where there's uh, more special things that are only available to members. Uh, so there's all sorts of choices there. Lister mm. David
1: Parker, thank you for joining me in the trenches.
2: Thank you very much for uh, inviting inviting us here. Yes,
0: thank you. It's been a pleasure.
1: It mm, has been a pleasure. Don't go anywhere. My name is Germ. This is Germ Warfare. The Battle of Ideas.
0: If you enjoyed this podcast, please visit supportgerm.com.